You know, what's so incredible to me is that, that God Almighty has chosen to use weak vessels like you and I to be a part of uh, his family and accomplishing what he wants to do uh, on this earth. I, I just, I don't know about you, but I get blown away as I think about how good our God is and what he's wanting to do. Next week, don't forget, Vision 777, we'll be taking a vote on that and uh, be in prayer about that. And to sort of prepare us in uh, coming up for this, September the 11th and 12th, that's Friday and Saturday, there's a 24-hour vigil that we're going to have, and we're going to be praying about this and other things that God puts on your heart. Uh, I have things already uh, written up for you. There is a sign-up sheet in the lobby that I want to encourage you to get another person and join together for an hour that you come together and pray. The church will be open and uh, for 24 hours starting Friday at 12 noon until Saturday at 12 noon, okay? It'll be time that we're going to consecrate uh, ourselves unto the Lord and cry out to Him. And uh, you'll see this, you'll get take one of these with you when you leave today. But more importantly, sign up for your hour that you will be here and be willing to sacrifice your time for that. Amen? Uh, I believe with all my heart, something happens when God's people fast and pray. I, I can just tell you, I, I've learned over the years, and I have done every kind of fast just about out there, I think, and, and done it in all kind of ways and all kind of times and things of that nature. But I believe with all my heart, when we are serious about something, we should seek the Lord. We're going to make a major decision in our life. One thing I've learned in my own life, I never make a major decision in my life unless I fast and pray. And I have gotten great clarity with the Lord uh, in my life through the years, and I believe that uh, he will give us clarity as well. Amen? So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. I promise you, you'll be blessed beyond anything you've ever seen before, but take the time to be a part of that. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 2. <laughs> Amen. Joshua chapter 2, we're in a series called Taking Great Steps with God. Taking Great Steps with God. Today, it, it, it's about a Hall of Fame hero that you would never have expected to be in the Hall of Fame of faith. And, and it gives us great encouragement and great news to remind us of how awesome our God is and the choosing of the ones that he chooses in life. You know what I find with God? He chooses the things that you and I wouldn't choose. The world wouldn't choose the people that God chooses, but that's God. God is different than the world. In Joshua chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, the Bible says this, Then Joshua the son of Nun sent two men as spies secretly from Shittim, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So the, they went and came into the house of the harlot, whose name was Rahab, and lodged there. Now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you for we have heard how the Lord has dried up <coughs> the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sion and Og whom you utterly destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, 
He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now, therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you also will deal kindly with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth and spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and with all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. So the men said to her, Our life for yours if you do not tell this business of ours, and it shall come about when the Lord gives us the land that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. The men said to her, We shall be free from this oath to you, which you have made us swear, unless when we come into the land, you tie this cord of scarlet thread in the window through which you let us down, and gather to yourself into the house your father and your mother and your brothers and all your father's household. She said, According to your words, so be it. So she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. In this story, it impacts a couple things, the unbeliever and the believer. It also shows us something about faith. Faith has, it's like a coin. It has two sides. It's the objective side and the subjective side. And as we look at this today, I think it's critical that we understand that as we walk with God. And we're in a series called Taking Great Steps with God. Last week, we talked about preparing and going and possessing, taking the promised land that God has provided for us. Now, we saw that there was something between you and I that we're going to have to conquer in order to get the Canaan land that God has for us, and it was none other than the Jordan River. And, and we share with you that the Jordan River at the time was overflowing and the, the, the fierceness of it going through was enormous. And the Jordan River to be able to cross at this time was humanly impossible to cross. And, and remember as we shared last week that your Jordan is the same way. And, and the Lord's power and provision is impossible uh, to overcome this if you don't have the power and the provision of God, all right? Now, as we look at this, I said your Jordan could be many things. It could be to the unbeliever, it could be your sin. To the believer, it could be your sin. It could be an addiction that, that is your Jordan. It could be a financial obligation. It, it could be a world system that's got you so enslaved and got you so ensnared that, that you just can't get out of it. Maybe it's your own flesh patterns that you learn as a little boy or a little girl that you've grown up and they become just what controls your life. Or maybe the Jordan is the devil himself in your life. Maybe it's an unbelieving spouse in your life. Or maybe it's an incurable disease. I don't know what it is in your life, but, but God knows. And today's message is one of great comfort and encouragement if you are an unbeliever still in your sin who may be wondering, can God forgive me of my sin and can God possibly use me for his purpose? I got great news for you. If you're there this morning, there's a resounding yes, God wants to speak to your life. You see, maybe you're to here today and he wants to challenge and convict you as a believer in Jesus Christ to see if you and I have Rahab's kind of faith. 
Let me show you what I mean. Now, unbeliever, listen to this word of God. Give me that bottle of water, please. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetousness, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now watch this. This is not a very good picture. Can I say amen to that? But as God communicates to a world today in which we live in, he's trying to awaken us. This is a reality. But here's the good news to the Corinthian church as he's writing to this Corinthian book. And he describes what they were, okay? Now look at here. Next verse. Such were some of you, but you were washed, past tense. You were sanctified, past tense. But you were justified. How? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. You see, the good news of the gospel is this. No matter where you've been, no matter what you have been, God's gospel is greater because his grace always superabounds. Where sin abounds, God's grace superabounds if you'll call on the name of the Lord to deliver you. Amen? That's the good news of the gospel. And God is helping us to see that this morning, that the unbeliever, there's only one thing that stands between you and your destructive, enslaving, sinful habits, and the salvation of God, it is the faith of Rahab. It is the faith of Rahab. Now remember, Rahab was a harlot. She's in this picture here. Now you're thinking, well, how in the world can a prostitute be redeemed? That's where God's grace comes in. Because God's grace is greater than all of our sin. Now, believer, there's only one thing that stands between your spiritual barrenness and your spiritual fruitfulness, between your spiritual defeat and your spiritual victory in life, between your spiritual passivity of the comfortable wilderness experience and the spiritual activism of possessing the promises of God in Canaan, and that is this, that you need the faith of Rahab. God's calling us. To walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? You see, he is going to teach us to, how to do this. And you see, the Spirit of God, as I pray for everyone in this church, that the Spirit of prayer would come over your heart, would come over your life, that you would not live your life dependent upon the circumstances that you see, the situations that you may be in, or the difficulties of the trials or the troubles that you may have. God wants us to, by faith, see that God is greater than anything that I may go through in life. God can conquer anything that I face in my life if I put my faith in Him. Amen? Amen. That's what it's all about. As we look at faith, it has two sides of the same coin, and you need both. There's an objective side to faith, and there's a subjective side of faith. And watch this. They work together. It's like a glove and a hand. They work together. And you see, as we look at the objective side of faith, first, I, I want you to see this. Objective faith is based upon what you and I cannot do, but what only God has done for us. I want you to get this. This is so incredible to me as I look at this passage of Scripture. It just 
really grabbed my heart. As you look at this, you see in this that uh, Rahab confesses something. She confesses that I know that the Lord has given you the land. I know that the Lord has given you this land. Now, what is that? It is the promised land of God. Remember, God, excuse me if I can speak here, uh, God chose Abraham, and when he chose him, he told him he was going to bless all the families through Abraham. Amen? And the blessing that God had promised was God had promised the Israelites a land. He promised that this, that I have a land that I'm going to fulfill. But Abraham passed, and, and, uh, and Isaac passed, and uh, Jacob passed, and we find at the end of that story, God's people have assembled down in Egypt, and God has placed them there so that they can multiply and grow. And God uses even the enemies of our life to accomplish his will. You see, it's an amazing thing to me that as I've walked with God over the years, I've, ha I've seen God use some of the most unusual people in my life to guide me, affirm to me, and teach me the will of God. I'm mindful that there was a time I was seeking the Lord, and I remember a homeless person uh, give me great insight into what God was wanting to do and what God did for me. This is a man who had, who had been living this lifestyle, but God had changed his heart, and all of a sudden now God was using him. And I'll never forget, as I, I was listening to this person, he had no idea, but God was speaking to me through a homeless person. Now, I can tell you, God can speak through anybody. And God can speak through anything. He's spoken through a jackass before, and some of you probably thinking he may still be doing that right now. But the reality is this, is that God is able to do great and mighty things. Amen? And if we'll just recognize that God is always at work around us, he's always doing that. And so if God is always at work around us, that means God is everywhere. Then no matter where I'm at, if I'll listen to the Spirit of God with me, he will guide me. And so is, and so this is what's happened to Rahab. God has chosen Rahab to be an instrument in God's hands to give God's people the incredible blessing of insight and what they need to do. Now, as she says here, that not only do I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us, but she goes on to say something else. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to Sion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. Now watch this. We have here the objective side of faith. Now watch this. God, she says, I know that God has given you what? The promise of God's word you and I must have as a foundation of our faith. We must understand that our faith is not in what we do. It's our faith is what he has done. And he has promised us something. And he's promised us in this situation, he promised them the land. And now he is about to fulfill his promise. But watch this. It's not just the, the incredible power or the promise of God's word but it's also our faith is based on the power of God's work 
Did you know that it's something only God could do? He took them to the Red Sea and he parted the Red Sea. Now, that is great power. I, I challenge you to go to Savannah River today and, and say in Jesus' name, they split this Red Sea. I don't think you can do that. But I know this much, that, that God can. And God can do anything. And so he, our faith is based upon the objective work of what God has done and what God has promised. And you see, that's where I get my security in my life is because I realize in my life that God will keep his promise and that God's power is enough to help me face whatever I face in my life. And that's critical for us because salvation is based upon the promise and power of God. It's what he has done for us, not what we have or will do for him. Now, I'm going to take you back and go help you to see not only from Genesis, but to the New Testament in Jesus Christ. You see, God says mankind's biggest problem is not that they need a new car, not that they need a new house, not that they need a new wardrobe, not that they need some more food. What God's biggest problem, he declares to all mankind, is this problem with sin. And watch this. It runs through every human being, every one of us. Their sin, the Bible says, has separated them from their creator God. And God desires more than anything to reconcile that separation and bring us into an intimate love relationship with himself so we can fulfill the God-given purpose he created us for from the very beginning. And the very beginning, God says the reason why he created you and I was for this declarative purpose, that we would reflect the glory of God. But you know, when sin enters into anything, it causes major problems. And it did then, and it's still doing it today. And that problem is, instead of reflecting what God is like, we reflect what selfish, sinful man is like. And so what does God do? He sent his one and only son to live a righteous life and to die for the sin of all mankind so you could be and I could be forgiven. And three days later, he was risen from the dead so we could experience the power of his resurrection and live a new life knowing that we're not only forgiven and live on the power of the resurrection so that we can overcome the flesh we can overcome the world, and we can overcome the devil. Amen? That's what he helps us to see. To God be all the praise, to all the glory, and all the honor, let his name be renowned. Amen? Amen. Now, that is the objective side of our faith. The promise of God's word, the power of God's work. Now, here's where you and I, now, it's, it's a wonderful thing to know that Jesus Christ accomplished everything that we need for our salvation. That he accomplished everything that we would ever want in our, our future. Now, watch this. He went to the cross. He lived a sinless, perfect life. He went to the cross and died for you. You couldn't do anything. You couldn't help yourself. I couldn't help myself. Listen, you know what happens to mankind in America especially? 
is that we think we can fix everything. Oh, we just got to have another committee come together, and we can figure this thing out. I mean, we can create a Tower of Babel if we need to, okay? I mean, mankind's amazing. What they, they can build tall buildings, big buildings, and all this. They can accomplish incredible things. But watch this. They can't accomplish the one thing that's separating them and their God. That's called sin. And God has provided a way for you and I to be delivered from our sin. That we no longer have to be a sinner. We can become a saint who's set apart, who still sins, but yet has been made brand new from the inside out. Amen? That's what he offers. Now, in order for that to take place in your life, my life, here's the subjective side of where we need to understand. Not only is God's promised word for us and his powerful works given to us in his son, Jesus Christ, but watch this, that we must personally, go to the next one, we must personally believe. We must personally believe. You see, God has done all this great thing, but until you personally believe it, it will not impact your life. Amen? It's not going to impact your life. It's, it's like this. You see, I can, here, Robert, let me give you this. And I, I lay my hand out here for him to get it. Now, you see, he's either going to believe it or he's going to sit there and say, I don't know about this. Or he's going to come and what? He's going to come and take it. You see, that's the reality. That's what belief is. You can know all the right things, and people even know John 3.16. They see it at the football game, and a guy holding up a placard, John 3.16, and I wonder to the average person, what in the world is that guy thinking? But you see, when you personally believe that, it impacts your life. It changes you. And you see, if you don't have personal belief in what Jesus Christ has done, I'm here to tell you, my friends, you're still lost and in your sin. And God is crying out and helping you to see it's going to take your step of faith to say, I personally believe. Know with me in Rahab, she says to the men in Joshua chapter 2, verse 9, I know that the Lord has given you this land. Now, I want you to see this because faith is always personal. I told my kids early on in life, my job was to train them and teach them and my wife and I to come alongside them and help them to understand and know the Word of God. But they could not hold on to Daddy's faith. Daddy's faith was going to keep them until they personally put their trust in Him. Daddy's faith and Mama's faith was praying and crying out and they were under the umbrella of God's grace and protection because of the faith of Mom and Dad. But there was coming a day that they were going to be accountable, that they're going to have to make a decision that I can't believe because mom and dad believes. I must believe because I personally believe, and I'm going to take it, embrace it, and I'm going to hold on to it. And it's, He's going to be my God. He's not going to be dad's God, mama's God. He's going to be my God. Amen? Now, I love this because she says this. I know. And note with me, there's no if, there's no perhaps, there's no maybe, there's no hope so in her language. You see, it was an incredible assurance that cannot, listen, that when, when you personally believe in something, 
God always gives you the assurance of what you believe in. Always. It's amazing to me, in 2 Timothy, he tells the uh, young Timothy, Paul is writing this letter, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he encourages young Timothy and tells him this, I know whom I believe. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have entrusted to him until that day. Paul told the Philippians in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, he says, I am confident of this I know. He who began in me, the work in me, will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, when you personally believe, God gives you and I incredible assurance that what you're believing is in the promise of God and the power of God's work, and you're not trusting in yourself. You're totally trusting in Him. Faith personally takes God at His word and trusts in Him who cannot lie. Faith is certain and confident that God will do what He has promised. In Joshua 2, verse 21, Rahab says this. After they tell them about the promise that they're going to do for her, this is what she says. According to your words, so be it. Did you notice that as we study this, we see she declares this, that we in Jericho have heard. We in Jericho have heard. We is plural. That means all the people have heard about the promise of God and the powerful works of God. But it's amazing, in this city, you find there's only one who believes. Now, think about this. This is incredible to me because as I think about this, I see this happening in church all the time. How can two people be in the same service and hear the same message and one hears it and responds in faith while the other doesn't affect them at all? I'll tell you why. One chooses to personally believe and the other does not. It's amazing to me that somebody can hear the incredible, powerful word of God. They hear the message and one gets excited and looks forward to going out and doing what they hear and they want to share with others what they've learned and yet you get others who hear it and they say, man, this is boring. I can't wait to get out of here. Man, I'd be glad to get the s and so I can get me some food. Oh my. You know why? You know that Rahab, because of her faith, was in the hall of fame of faith in chapter 11 of Hebrews. And this is what they said. This is what they said. This one, one verse, this is what it says. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with those that believed not. See, all of them heard it. But watch this. Rahab was the one who personally believed. And she was rescued. She was delivered. And she was saved. It's a personal faith. But watch this. It's also a practical faith. A practical faith. You see, in other words, her faith was an obedient faith. And this is where we struggle. God commands us to do something, specifically and exactly how to do it, 
And this is how mankind, and what sin has done to mankind, the first thing that comes to their mind as God speaks to them is, I'm not so sure about that. And we have within us this incredible uh, desire to rebel and doubt and fear the word that God speaks to us. And we think that, oh, by the way, I'm smarter than God. I'm greater than God. I can handle this myself. And I'm not sure that that's the only way. There's got to be other ways. I mean, how close-minded can God be? And yet God declares through his one and only son, Jesus Christ, when he said, I am the way, the truth, the life, no man will come unto the Father except through me, and there is no other way. I don't care what the world tells you. I don't care what a professor that has a PhD, EHD, a GHD, and all other kind of Ds. I'm here to tell you the Word of God is true, it's right, God cannot lie, His promise will not fail, and He will fulfill it if you trust Him. The spies told Rahab exactly and precisely what she had to do in order to be saved. Wow. I'm so glad that God makes it real clear. Because you see, I'm a simple-minded man, and I need to know exactly what I got to do. And the Bible tells us that you must obey what the Word tells you. Rahab's response was, according to your words, so be it. I want you to get this. She was commanded to tie a scarlet cord in the window. And the scarlet, the scarlet cord she tied in the window. Think about that. Now, the only thing I like about red is because it's the blood of Christ. Uh-oh. Now, my thinking is, God, maybe it ought to be a gold-colored cord with some blue mixed in. That's Georgia Tech colors, okay? Maybe it should have been a white one. Maybe it should have been a purple one. No, he says, a scarlet cord is what I want you to put out this window. I don't need you to tell me what you think. I don't need you to tell me what you want. I don't need you to give you your understanding. I just need you to obey what I'm telling you to do. Rahab, if you don't put this out your window, I'm here to tell you when God gives us this land and these walls fall and we conquer and utterly destroy all this before us, I'm telling you, you will go down if it's not in there. God is trying to speak to a world with a megaphone. He's communicating through the internet, through Twitter, through Facebook, through Instagram, through I don't know what other things they got out there. But he's using them all to communicate what? God loves you. God is wanting to save you. God's wanting to deliver you. I've given you my son. It's Jesus. He died for you. He lived for you. He was raised for you. He ascended for you. He's coming back again for you. But you must put your faith in Jesus Christ alone or you will be utterly destroyed. Now, we don't like to hear that. We say, that's a very intolerant message. 
Jesus told his disciples as he ascended to heaven, he gave them the great commission is what we call it. And by the way, that's not in the Bible. We call it that. And that's okay. But in Matthew chapter 28, he says in his last words to his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, that's all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we say, yeah. But watch this. Here's a part that's being left out. And we don't catch. We ain't, we're not getting it. Teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always until the end of the earth. You see, faith is not only personal, but it's practical. You and I must obey the word of God. Now think about this for just a moment. God commands us, Christians, hear me. God commands us to read his word. God commands us to study his word. God commands us to memorize his word. God commands us to meditate upon his word. And yet we hardly give a token to his word. You know what? The, the Bible is the most widely circulated book in the world, and yet it, it is the least read book in the world. It's amazing to me that the book that God says, if you will meditate upon it, I will prosper you and make you a success. And the enemy has so deceived us into distracting the distractions of this world that we don't get into the Word. And you see, the Bible is distributed everywhere and is readily, it is read scarcely anywhere. What a tragic, tragic thing that is. Church, if you and I are going to walk by faith, you must listen to the Word of God and then obey what it tells you. You leave the results to God. He will be faithful to do his part. I remember Charles Stanley was sharing a story about um, his grandfather. His grandfather was a great influence on him. He lost his dad early on in life. and His grandfather was a great impact in his life and, and uh, really taught him a lot about the Word of God. And he told, he said, Charles, I want you to hear this. Just imagine a grandfather, you know, only a grandfather can do this. He says, Charles, you see that wall over there? If God tells you to run through that wall, you get to run it as fast as you can. God will make a way. He'll open the door. You just get to run it. Whatever God tells you to do, you do it. And leave the results to him. He will open what needs to be opened. Rahab could have said, I don't need to tie a piece of cord in the window since I've already proven my faith by hiding the spies. I will not perish if I don't put a cord of scarlet thread in my window. You know what's mind-boggling to me? And I've been here, and so I understand this. Many want to know what responsibilities in Scripture can they neglect and still be saved? It's almost like, you know how your kid, you tell your kid, now don't cross this line. And you know what they do? That's exactly what we adults are doing. It's not our kids, it's us, the adults. That we're still trying to figure out what, how much can I do and get away with and still be okay with God. 
And God tells us and communicates us over and over and over again in his word. He commands us, listen, my friend, I love you. I want the best for you. God says, this is what you're to do. And we say, well, you know, let me think about that. Or better yet, we get real spiritual and we say this, I'm going to pray about that. My friend, there's some things you don't need to pray about. You just need to do. I just need to do. <laughs> I know that we all have to rise above our own selfishness. We're all there, including your pastor. And God wants us to see, he wants us to rise above that. And we can because of Christ in us, amen? We're an overcomer. We're more than a conqueror, Nancy. That's who you are. That's who God made you. He made you who you are. You're a new person now. Now, three things that Rahab was to do. There's three things. Now, think about this. Tie a scarlet cord in the window two not to tell not to tell anyone of their business and three she was to bring her family into her house now if she had real faith can I tell you this she would obey what was told to her see many of us think that we have real faith and God's been telling you, you need to do this, this, and this. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect all the time. I'm not saying that. But I'm telling you, the inclination of your heart is that you won't obey. Now, Jesus said this in his sermon on the mount, his last words in the sermon of Matthew chapter 7. And this is what he said. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. You see, a living faith acts upon the Word of God. Only a living faith will get you to heaven. Only a living faith will enable you to experience the blessings of God. Only a living faith gives you the victory over sin, over the flesh, and the devil. You and I, listen, the reason why many of us are not experiencing the victory that God promises us and we're not experiencing the abundant life God offers to us is because we are not obeying. And I know you don't like to hear that. But God tells us, listen, I and my sovereign grace has provided everything for you, but this is what I want you to do. Take this step of faith. Now listen, God, anytime God calls you to do something, he has the enabling power for you to do it. He never calls us to do something that he doesn't promise to fulfill in your life if you'll take that step of faith. Rahab, do this, do this, do this, and you'll be saved. See, faith, subjective faith, is not just personal and practical, but here's the third and the last point. It's public. It's public. In other words, it was a visible faith. Now, she tied a scarlet cord for everyone to see. I wonder what that cord's sitting there waiting for. That woman must be really, this must be the red light district over here, huh? They may have thought that, but she was declaring something. She was making an open declaration of her faith in God. And she was letting people know where she stood. You see, it, might, it blows my mind. I know you're saying, well, Pastor, you're just ex, ex, extroverted, okay? 
I'm introverted. Listen, I have a professor friend of mine as a mentor, and he's introverted, so it doesn't apply. Okay? But this amazes me is that I can be a sinner, a wretch as I was before I come to know Christ, and I can experience him in a calling upon his name, and he deliver me, save me, forgive me, cleanse me, make me his own, a brand new person in him, and, and all of a sudden I can say, well, I just want to keep that to myself. I, it just doesn't, it doesn't compute to me. I mean, I know what it's like to be in love. And I'm telling you, I'm in love with my God. I'm in love with Jesus because He's the only one that knows every detail of my life. And he, watch this, in spite of all of that, he chose to love me and forgive me and make me his own. Now, I can tell you, that just boggles my mind that I can't tell somebody else about that. I mean, when you're in love with somebody, you got to tell them. I mean, It's been that way my whole life, and I understand this because Christianity is about relationship. I mean, I'm telling you, when I met my wife when she was 16, she was so unbelievable, I couldn't, I can't take my eyes off of you. Anyway. And today, I just sang her this song last night, honey, I can't take my eyes off of you. Oh, I so adore She said, oh, no, don't sing no more. (laughs) It was a moment. We had a blast. But you know what's interesting? She's a sinner like I am. She's fallen. I've fallen. Greater than her. She loves me. And she's forgiven me for a lot. But God took away my sin. And he remembers them no more. Ask her and she can give you a roll call of mine. She doesn't get hysterical. She gets historical when she has a moment. We've all been there. It's a woman thing, right, Julie? Anyway. uh, But what happened here? This guy says, Amen. He just got the elbow to the side. He'll have one, he'll have, he got a doctor now for his back for now his ribs. But Rahab, she tied a scarlet cord for everyone to see. And you know, Christian, you and I need to ask ourselves, are we showing our true colors? I want you to think about your home for just a moment. Is the scarlet thread of faith over the conversation at your home? Has the the blood of Christ touched your home and your conversations? Or is it, man, I'm at church and I'm praising the Lord and God is good. I get at home, I want to strangle my kids, my wife, my husband, and everybody else. I call them everything but blessings. Let me ask you, is the scarlet thread cord of Jesus over your library? 
Are you reading things that the blood of Christ has cleansed you from? Is the scarlet thread over the pictures that you're looking at? On the internet? Over your iPhone? Whatever kind of phone you got? Has the scarlet thread been put over your office where you're speaking and carrying on conversations that are covered? How about your recreation life? Don't be ashamed of Jesus Christ. He died for you, he rose from you, ascended from you, and he's coming back again for you. Rahab, her faith caused her to identify with God. My question for us this morning is this. Do you? Have you put your light under a bushel? Do your neighbors know that, that you're a Christian? I believe when I first got saved, my first influence was to go tell my family. Now, my family knows me very well. They know all the warts and everything. And can I tell you, when I share with them that I had come to know Jesus Christ, they didn't all respond with, I'm so, I'm so glad. They said, yeah, right. <laughs> there ain't no way you've been saved. That ain't happening. Ain't nobody, God can't save you, that's for sure. I said the same thing, but he did. And you know what I found? As time has gone on, I just lived my life before the Lord because I knew the only way I could impact them, the one that knows me the best, if I lived this thing out called faith. And you see, it's an amazing thing. When crisis hits their life, you know who they pick the phone up and call? Me. You know why? Because they've watched me walk over the last 28 years of my life with God. And they've seen me living this thing out. Now, have I been perfect? No. They'll tell you I haven't been perfect. But they know where my heart is. I believe we start with our home. You start with your family. You start there. Now, listen, you're not, listen, Jesus started with his home. Guess what? They didn't believe him either. But it didn't stop him from declaring his father to them. So must you and I. Are you trusting in the Lord in your life? I close with this story. Back in history, in Britain's days, King George VI during World War II with uh, buzz bombs sort of falling all around them, he said to a man standing at the gate, give me a light that I may tread safely into the unknown. And the man replied, Go out into the darkness and put your hand into the hand of God. That will be better to you, that will be to you better than a light and a safer known way. Wow. Let me ask you. Have you by faith grabbed a hold of the hand that's reaching down to you? God's hand 
in your hand will accomplish great things in your life. Where's your hand today? Is it receiving from him? He calls you to himself. And he wants a personal, intimate love relationship with you. You're here today, you're an unbeliever, I want to encourage you with this. God loves you. He's promised. God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that if you will believe in him, you will not perish but have eternal life. Christian, are you obeying what God has called you to do? God is wanting to bless your life and he's asking you maybe a difficult thing for you to do. Maybe speak to your neighbor. Maybe speak to your family member. Maybe, watch this, forgive someone. Maybe help someone. Whatever it may be, let me encourage you with this. Obey and leave the results to God. He will show you his great and mighty hand. Father, we lift you up. We praise your name. We exalt you as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, it's been so good to walk with you these years, and I pray that perhaps you give me another 28 years to walk with you, that I would truly be a vessel in your hands, a servant, Lord, that simply trusts the Master to accomplish his will and his way and his word in and through our lives. God, if there's someone here today that's never surrendered their heart to you, may this be a day that they say, yes, Jesus. I come and I want to receive you and follow you in baptism and seek to obey your word from this day forward. And yet, Lord, many of us in here are born-again believers. My prayer is there. My asking question tonight is for all of us, or this morning, is this. Am I obeying what God's commanded me to do? Am I a man that lives in a word? Am I a woman that lives in a word? Am I a man or a woman of living as praying in faith? Am I being connected to the fellowship of this church? Or I just come sporadically whenever I want to and, and do my own thing and think I can add God to my life and still be blessed? Oh, God, forgive us. Cleanse us from this stinking thinking, God. Lord, are we being a people who is witnessing to our, our friends and our enemies and people all around us, God? The, the, the day is drawing nigh when we will no longer have to witness because our time will be up and you will come again. And all those who are not in the safety and the name of Jesus Christ, they will perish. So God, may this day be a day of warning and yet a day of worship. That together, Lord, that we would come to the altar of your grace so that we can be altered to become the man and woman that you want us to be. Grace, find us this morning. Spirit of prayer, touch us this morning. Oh, Holy One, do your mighty work, I pray. Let loose in this place. Let this invitation be uncontrollable and unthinkable and, Lord, practical and manifested in such an undeniable, obvious way. And, Lord, that people will stand up and clap and cry out, yes, God is here. God is doing something. God is changing me. God has changed me. Let this be this day, God. Have your way, God. And all God's people said, amen. Let's all stand.